You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! The Stateside Podcast, the one and only Stateside Podcast. My name is James Ian MacMillan. I am your host for the day, yesterday, the day before that. You know what? I'm the host every goddamn time. Oh! Today it's just me, guys. Just me and you. I'm in your ears right now. I'm talking to you. It's just me and you. Welcome back to the show. We're just going to bullshit. We're just going to kick back for a little bit. I got a few things on my mind. And uh, a couple of current events, a couple of things in music news that are going on that we can discuss. But before we do that, I wanted to officially welcome one of the newest members to the team, to the stateside roster. I'd like to welcome Joseph Chuddick. You can find Joseph on Instagram. His handle is josephchuddick underscore engineer. Chudik is spelled C-H-U-D-Y-K. Joe's a great guy. He's a mix engineer, producer, songwriter. He's a drummer himself. I think he plays guitar too, I want to say. Anyway, all around uh, musician, all around creative guy, and, and a really cool guy. He's a, a father, and him and his wife, they they also run a, it's like a, I'm sorry, Joe, if I'm fucking this up. Uh, I think it's a, a uh, like an animal rescue something along those lines where they they take in animals that need help on their their farm essentially on their land out in rochester new york rochester is the town my my mother was born in so i got a soft place for that area of the world and uh yeah welcome to the team joe everyone go say hi to him it would mean a lot to me if you uh reached out and said what's up welcome to the team Speaking of him, he just had a new release come out, something that he mixed from an artist named Kayla Ruby. You can find Kayla Ruby, that's K-A-Y-L-A Ruby, on Spotify with her new single. You can check out her new single called Never Really Know Somebody on Spotify. And that, again, is mixed by Joseph Chuddick. Welcome to the team, Joe. We love you. Um, right at the top of the show here, I want to give a, a shout-out to my family. Our wonderful grandfather, my mother's dad, Douglas Lynn, he passed away over the weekend, last weekend. It sucks. Real hard time for my family. Uh, We're all very close to him. My family is uniquely close, if you guys haven't gathered that. I'm not not implying that yours isn't, but it's, it's rare today to have grandparents that are still a huge part of your life, and he certainly was. Um, he's a fellow inquiring creative type. You know, he certainly passed it on to my mom, and my mom passed it on to me. He was a very curious person. He read a lot. He was super productive. 
he was 87 years old when he passed. He was born in 1931. So that means he was, what, World War II started in 42, I believe. So he would have been 11 years old. You know, that's, that's, that's crazy. Think of all the stuff that that man has seen. He was married to my angel of a grandmother, Pat Lynn, Patricia Lynn, who also passed a few years back. Rest in peace. They had four kids together. Obviously, my mother and my uncle and my two aunts. And he was a grandfather of, what would that be, 10 plus kids. I'm just doing quick math in my head right now. It's got to be at least 10. A great grandfather of almost as many, like seven maybe. He was an army vet. He served in the Korean War. He wrote two books. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anyone that's written a novel. Personally, anyone in my circle of friends that has actually done what you know people always talk about doing. Like, oh, I'm going to write a book one day. He did it, and he did it twice. Published, put out. They're, they're fantastic. He was an entrepreneur, a business owner, very, very productive, successful man. And I always looked up to him my whole life. Rest in peace, Papa. We love you very much. Say hi to Grandma, and we'll see you on the other side, my man. All right, enough of that stuff. Enough of that stuff. But it is it is cool to think of people, I think especially of that generation, who, you know, they they started young back then. People were parents young. People got married young. People signed up for public service young. I mean, he had to have been a pretty young guy in the Army. I think he was in the Korean War in the 50s. And I just got done telling you he was born to 31. So, you know, young guy. I mean, he got he got going. And he, he was very productive on everything he did. All right, moving on. Moving on to brighter things. A lot of movie news out there, my, my peeps. This is going to be a pretty heavy movie episode, I feel like. That's what's on my mind. You know how much I love movies. I'm absolutely batshit crazy about movies. Next to music, that is definitely my favorite art form. Hands down, without a doubt. I think my... We'll just get right to the movie pick of the week. In a world where James has a movie pick of the week. I'm going to do a very unexpected movie, actually. It's the house with a clock in its walls, which, by the way, changed that name. Simply too long. Why couldn't it have just been the house or, you know, the the wall, the the clock, the clock story, or I don't know. All right, here is the official trailer. Last out. I'm your Uncle Jonathan. Are you wearing a robe? It's a kimono. Here we are. Home sweet home. You're Lewis, I presume. How is your friend? This old hag is my neighbor. I'm relieved to see you didn't inherit your uncle's freakishly oversized head. My God, did that withered purple skeleton just speak? You'll see, it's quite different here. Have a look around. You're perfectly safe. 
clones of fed. Do you know what a warlock is, Lewis? A boy witch. I think they're a little more than boy witches. Please teach me, please, please. Okay, have it your way. I can give you the right book, teach you the right spells, but that last 1%, that's up to you. I don't want the creepy little run. Think I want him? Lucky shot. You told Lewis everything? Well, not everything. This house used to be owned by another warlock. He was very wicked. Very powerful. He left a hidden clock in the walls. We don't know what it does except something horrible. Three gone. Last time it was four. What happens when it gets down to one? Nothing good, that's for certain. It's out right now. It's it's a really good uh, feel goody Halloween movie. It's way better than it should be. It's directed by Eli Eli Roth, who's done a bunch of horror movies. If you ever seen the movie Inglorious Bastards, he is the the actor who like drags the baseball bat down that that cave and then beats the shit out of that guy with a baseball bat. If you've seen the movie, you know what I mean. Eli Roth, like I said, is an actor and director, and he's really known for doing really like scary, brutal kind of violent shit uh, right up my alley um, he did a movie called the green inferno which is super fucking gory and way over the top so for him to turn around and do essentially a kid's movie was really cool because you, you pair that kind of intensity with with a kid's movie and it, it turned out great so that's a very unexpected movie pick of the week for me i went in there thinking i wasn't gonna like it it was just something to do my wife and i love seeing uh, basically any movie that's worth a dick and we are very pleasantly surprised i want to talk about a couple other movies that are coming out i'm actually kind of excited for another stupid movie that you know it it could be terrible or it could be an unexpected fantastic comedy and that is holmes and watson with with will ferrell and john c Riley, directed by eaton cohen that's not ethan cohen it's eaton cohen e-t-a-n cohen he he's a writer he wrote some men in black stuff idiocracy he directed get hard another will ferrell movie which i didn't like you know my buddy stefan loved that movie i thought it was pretty stupid but yes so let's watch this trailer real quick we don't have to watch the whole thing i like their take on the watson uh, sherlock holmes and watson character it's a little more fancy may i present to you the greatest detective of all time, Sherlock Holmes, and Dr. John Watson. I love you. Oh! What a look at her Jesus. Sherlock Holmes is 
methods are ingenious. There. He's a master of disguise. What have you done with Sherlock? Why, Watson? Where I never left. Will Farrow's playing Sherlock. Amazing. And his mind is brilliant. Angle of approach. Compensate for warping floors. Termination of the seagull. This could really suck, actually. December 21st of this year. A nice little Christmas movie. Alright, that's enough of that. Holmes and Watson. That's another one. Boom! I have been watching the new American Horror Story season. I think it's called Apocalypse. It's a fitting name because it's based in the apocalypse. No spoiler here because it's all over the goddamn trailer and by the name Apocalypse. It's uh, right after... The big one hits, the big bomb, big missiles or something, and the whole world is fucked. And the rich, wealthy elite and the select few, as it were, get selected and go to this this bunker where there's really only, I don't know, probably like 15 people in, in there and, and the leaders that are super creepy and, and weird. Yeah, anyway, I, I'm loving it. Like I've, I'm on the fourth episode now. As usual, it's super creepy, super well-written typically with that show for whatever reason i usually start checking out right around now i'll watch about three to four episodes and then i start fizzing out and i don't finish the season and that's probably happened the past three more more seasons i love the first season the one based in the in the house i might be alone on that one but that's that's my favorite one it could have been just because it was brand new and still exciting uh, i just love the idea of the show that it's uh, it's the same reoccurring cast for the most part it's the same players that are cast as different characters different different stories and, and they're just having fun and I, I like i like when shows do that and i like when you know you can translate that to music or any art form when people they're just they're just playing you know and they, they're not they're not committed so much to one uh one type of thing they're i mean th- those are some of my favorite bands the beatles zeppelin I mean, even like bands you wouldn't expect to fall in that category, Deftones, who started out really hard and like or rap rock from that era, and then they get more, more melodic, more open as time goes. A lot of artists get criticized for that, but that's that's some of my favorite stuff. And anyway, I'm going on a rant, but that's kind of what I like about that show is they they're they're just going in their own direction, doing what they want to do. Been watching that. Oh, I just started a new show called Mayans. It's a spinoff of the Sons of Anarchy. Super cheesy. I'm aware. I get it. Probably not for everyone. All you fucking hipsters out there probably rolling your eyes right now. But I like Sons of Anarchy. I thought it was it was uh, it is what it is. It was just good fun. It's kind of like like how I think about Entourage. You know, Entourage is essentially Sex in the City for men. I mean, that's what it is, and I like it. And I think Sons of Anarchy is sort of the same in, in a way, very similar in that way. It's uh, just good popcorn fun. And Mayans is a spinoff of that story. And instead of the Sons of Anarchy gang, it's the Mayans, like a Hispanic, Latino, Los Angeles-based. Or actually, I don't even know if it's Los Angeles. It might be more like uh, the border of Tex- Texas or whatever. I've only seen one episode so far. But it's starring a guy named Vincent uh vincent rocco vargas i think is how you pronounce it vargas and that guy was on a podcast i loved called the drinking bros podcast which i highly recommend 
most of the guys of that show own the coffee company black rifle company black black rifle coffee company i can't talk and it's a veteran owned coffee company and anyway one of those guys who's never really an actor before he just sort of looked the part he looked like a big badass mexican dude he got hired to be one of the the outlaw bikers on the show so that's that's why i got connected to that show highly recommend checking it out other news you guys see um, i don't know how you didn't hear about this but bill cosby went to jail finally fuck him see you later bro bye another movie i'm excited to see is the new halloween remake god i hope it doesn't suck I'm gonna take that one over on the cross the street. I love the soundtrack. Forty years ago, on Halloween night, Michael Myers murdered three people. After that horrific night, we sent back the institution in custody. suck please don't suck please don't suck please don't suck all right let's move on to some music news first one i got here according to rollingstone.com the article says hotels are record labels now r&b singer songwriter amber mark is first signed artist on the w hotels new record label the newest record label in the music business is an operation called W Records, run not by moguls or artists, but by the Marriott-owned, millennial-focused luxury hotel chain W Hotels. 
W debuted its label on Tuesday, noting that the company will sign four rising artists over the next year and provide them with recording space, video shoot locations, mixing, mastering support, and distribution of their music via live performances, streaming services, and limited additional edition vinyl production. W Records first signed artist in New York-based R&B singer who recorded two songs earlier this summer in the W Sound Suite at W Hollywood and is releasing them this fall. So basically, uh, as you can see, a, a company that owns uh, Marriott and other chains, um, one of them is W Hotel, apparently they also are getting into signing bands. So weird. Odd as this idea may seem, the hotel chain sees the record label as a crystallization of its existing, quote, long-standing relationships with music industry partners, promoters, media, and influencers. The company already has an on-site recording studios for artists in several cities. That is really weird. Putting on a their own music festival, the bluntly named, quote, wake-up call. <laughs> that represents a complete 360-degree approach. No, yeah, I'm sure. 360-degree approach to our innovative music program. For those who don't know, 360 basically means that the, the label owns everything. They, they're going to own uh, your, your masters, usually. They're going to get a cut of all your tour, your tour uh, sales, your merch sales, all the stuff that histori- historically record labels don't have a part of. Typically, record labels give you money, give you money to make a record, and uh, they'll own part of your publishing, part of masters, whatever the deal is. It's kind of different every time, but you go sell those records and you pay the label back and then you start making money but yeah typically they don't own all that other stuff so it looks like that's what they're trying to do here that could be good though who knows who knows anyway i just thought that was interesting change of the times here's another uh, rolling stone article tina turner musical quote tina set for the broadway debut in fall 2019 musical about rock legends life made its world premiere in London's West End back in April. Tina, a musical based on the life and music of Tina Turner, will open, make its Broadway debut in fall 2019 and is currently playing at the Aldwych Theater in London's West End. Tina made its world premiere in London in April 2018 and will continue to run there for the time being. Casting performance dates and the Manhattan Theater where it will be based will be announced at a later date. Quote, bringing this musical to life on stage and working with a team has meant so much to me. Turner, who co-produced the musical, said in a statement, I feel that it is in many ways a culmination of my career. London audiences have been and continue to be extraordinary. Now the bright lights of Broadway are calling, and I'm very excited to share this beautiful show with New York audiences next year. Turner has been semi-retired from music over the last decade. She hasn't released a full-length album since 1999. And her last live tour was her 2008-2009 50th anniversary tour. She'll be releasing a second memoir, Tina Turner, My Love Story, later this year. In more music news, Geoff Emmerich, legendary Beatles recording engineer, dies at the age of 72. For those of you who don't know, Emmerich was one of the recording engineers back in the day. He was uh, one of the main architects of the Beatles uh, legendary recordings and worked with them on early early stuff uh, early hits and then some later albums as they went along it says he died from a massive heart attack he was 72 like I said emmerich's death was confirmed by his manager william 
Uh, I want to try to pronounce that last name. Zab- Let's give it a shot. Zabalata. Zab- William Zabalata. In a statement posted online. Remembered as an engineer behind the desk, Emmerich was just 15 when he began working at Abbey Road Studios. He was an assistant engineer on such songs as Love Me Do, I Want to Hold Your Hand, She Loves You, A Hard Day's Night. Just prior to turning 19, became the Beatles' main engineer in the Helmed Revolver Sergeant, Rep- Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in Abbey Road, and much a magical mystery tour and The Beatles, Princey's The White Album, which is celebrating the 50th anniversary of its release this year with an expansive box set. Later, he worked on recordings with Elvis Costello, Michael Jackson, The Zombies, Cheap Trick, Stevie Wonder, and many more. Emmerich won four Grammy Awards, three for Best Engineered Album for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Abbey Road, and the Paul McCartney and Wings album, Band on the Run, and a 2003 Techno Grammy for Pushing the Boundaries of Studio Recording Techniques of Creativity and Imagination. He was the author of a 2006 autobiography, Here, There, and Everywhere, My Life Recording, The Music of the Beatles. Goes on to talk more about his history. Uh, but yeah, one of the greats, one of the great engineers, uh, visionaries, he passed away. So rest in peace. You know, stateside, we represent guys like like him. I mean, obviously, if not of that caliber, but, you know, we... It's that's very close to home for for me and the dudes that I work with, and I mean Jesus, you can't get much bigger and cooler than that to have such an impact on music culture. You know, a lot of people talk about George Martin being the fifth Beatle, and that's true, but Emmerich really was the the quiet killer in the back. He's a really young guy, and he, I think he pushed Martin to to yeah, he just pushed him, you know, to try some new stuff to be more modern. Back in the day. Music engineers would wear white lab coats, <laughs> literally. I mean, they they were dorks. They were the the gearheads. They were the they were engineers, and he was one of the first guys to push that from an artistic standpoint and and really utilize the equipment around him and get the best sounds possible from this from this band. I think George Martin and and the guys in the Beatles were probably more based on songwriting and performance things of that nature, but Emmerich really tried hard at getting the best drum sounds and the best guitar tones, and and we all know how important that stuff is today. And he was one of the first first guys to to really go for it back then. So that's that's a big one. Rest in peace. Moving on with a little bit more music news. This one, you know, it's hard to talk about music news these days without mentioning Kanye West. Um, here's some behind the scenes. As, quote, SNL audience stunned by Kanye West's bizarre rant. So, for, the, for those of you who don't know, who was supposed to perform? Maybe Ariana Grande, I think, was supposed to perform, and then she had to cancel. Last minute, they asked Kanye to fill in. If you haven't seen the performance, it's bonkers. He's wearing an outfit that he's dressed up as a Perrier bottle. You know, Perrier water. He's dressed up as a bottle of water, and his co-rapper with him, Lil Pump, is dressed up as another brand of water. Fucking whatever that is, it doesn't matter. It's totally crazy. I actually don't hate it. I think it's kind of creative and cool. I like when artists get artsy and uh, go for it. But this rant is crazy. It's like a pro-Trump. He's wearing a Make America Great 
well, make America great again hat. So yeah, I'm gonna play it right here. Let's check it out. SNL musical guest Kanye West is getting a vote of support from President Trump after his jaw-dropping rant. It came after the show had signed off air. And so many times I've talked to like a white person about this and they say, how could you like Trump? He's racist. If someone inspires me and I connect with them, I don't have to believe in all their policies. Kanye delivered the diatribe wearing a Make America Great Again hat. They bullied me backstage. They said, don't go out there with that hat on. They bullied me backstage. They bullied me. Trump didn't waste time responding. Word is that Kanye West, who put on a mega hat after the show, was great. He's leading the charge. The pro-Trump speech took the audience and cast members by surprise. You see, they laughing at me. You heard it, they scream at me. Comedian Chris Rock was in the audience recording it. He can be heard snickering and whispering, oh my God. <laughs> This videotape from the green room shows shocked guests. It was recorded by fashion creative director Brett Sander, who was watching backstage. If I say everybody was awestruck, that was still an understatement. Everybody was in this state of just shock and, and, and not knowing what to do, what to say. There you go, folks. Kanye really knows how to get in the news. He really does. We're all talking about him. Whether you like him or not. I don't personally give a fuck if someone likes Trump. I mean, I know people who voted for Trump. That doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a racist. It doesn't make you an idiot. You know, I personally think he's a fucking buffoon. And I, I didn't vote for him. I never would. But, you know, I don't, people really need to fucking relax. I He's obviously just doing that to stir up some shit. To provoke people whether he believes in what he says or not he says some crazy shit he said something about the 13th amendment okay so in a tweet on a on an airplane a private airplane he's wearing a make america great again hat otherwise known as a maga hat he says this represents good old america becoming whole again we will no longer outsource to other countries we build factories here in america and create jobs we will provide jobs for all who are free from prisons as we abolish the 13th Amendment. Message sent with love. Huh? <laughs> uh, well, uh, the 13th Amendment was ratified in 1865. Later, Connie returned to Twitter with a clarification. The, thir the 13th Amendment is slavery in disguise, meaning it never ended. We are the solution that heals. Whatever. He's saying something about people who are so slaves in these prisons and people have jobs. And blah, 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 blah. People are responding, going, what the hell are you talking about? The actor Chris Evans tweets back, There's nothing more maddening than debating someone who doesn't know history, doesn't read books, and frames their myopia as virtue. The level of unapologetic conjecture i've encountered lately isn't just frustrating it's retrogressive and unprecedented and absolutely terrifying i would agree with that really weird moving on fuck that fuck that shit speaking of musicians being strange artists in general being weird and intense at times something i've been thinking about lately i've been really digging back into 
like some really hardcore music I, I grew up listening to. Dillinger Escape Plan, Refused, Snapcase, whatever. And even non-hardcore bands, just rock bands or, or artists that Kanye West, whoever. How, how do I describe this premise? It's like, you, you know, the band Dillinger Escape Plan has some of the craziest live shows ever. Some of the most intense, like physically intense shows I've ever been to, I've ever witnessed. Look up the Dillinger Escape Plan Crazy Moments compilation on YouTube. There, you know, there's <laughs> there's a video where Dillinger plays a show at a mall, like a like a you know shopping mall, and all the kids crowd below this escalator where makeshift stage is set up. It must be like next to a record store because they used to do that back in the day. They bands would play outside record stores. Anyway, it's you know tons of kids are crowded together, and then the drummer clicks click 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 click, and they go into the song, and immediately the singer just takes off running. He's got a hoodie on, so you can't even really see his face or anything. Got a hiding, being creepy. And he just takes off running, right, jumps right into the crowd, and walks over the people like he's Jesus walking on water. And he literally just walks on top of people's heads and runs through as far as he can make it before you know being in the crowd. Anyway, it's the craziest thing ever. That's fucking violent. It probably sucked for the kids to be being you know being trampled on or whatever there's a video of that singer throwing a box fan in the audience throwing guitar cabinets full like heavy shit that can fuck people up you know there's video of josh Halme playing and kind of just from the queen's stone age josh just getting all weird and into the performance and then he kicks a photographer that she's kind of like reaching out into the stage and you know he he apologized for it and said something about how he was caught in the moment or whatever whatever it was it was a half-assed apology and he went on to clarify and give a more sincere apology and i don't want to make excuses for people doing that it's obviously not cool um but it's just something i think about and I, i've thought about it a lot how because i've played in a band i and i've never gotten to that level but that you <laughs> you get possessed man <laughs> like not such easy but when you when you're playing music especially heavy music there's something that like you have to adopt inside you in in order to let that that kind of energy out and sometimes it has a negative effect you know and you can't expect you can't expect people to be at that level of intensity a 10 out of 10 and for th weird shit not to happen it's just gonna happen that's what iggy pop fucking cuts his chest and you know, punk rock bands fucking bleed on stage and get in fights and Henry Rollins fucking grabs some kid in the front who's fucking with him. And they get in a fight. Like, it's violent at times. It's not, I'm not condoning it. I'm just, I don't even know where I'm going with this rant. It's just something I, I, I think about. And I, for whatever reason, it keeps popping up in my head through videos I've seen or, you know, songs that I've been listening to lately. It just kind of reminded me of that energy that happens when you tap into that 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 current i hope that makes sense i don't know you know uh, this band i grew up listening to and, and watching a lot going to a lot of their shows uh botch b-o-t-c-h they're a northwest band and they kind of had that energy too where there was just like this dangerous like physically dangerous at times environment but and it wasn't 
it wasn't drugs in fact i think most of that band was a straight edge band that's the irony in a lot of that music a lot of those those guys are straight edge they don't do any drugs and this thing over it just it just happens you get in a room um you can't hear anything but the art that's around you the music you can't you can't even hear the person next to you you can't have a conversation you're just completely inundated with this this wave of intensity yeah it's and it and it carries through too i think that's why a lot of musicians fuck up their green rooms you know they'll go backstage and fuck up their uh because they're out of their fucking mind you know try talking to someone after doing after playing a show like that like right after they get off stage don't fucking say hi to those people let them cool off for a second i used to hate that when people come up to me and say hi i'm not trying to sound like elvis or anything but it 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 really is like you know, I was just at a fucking 10 out of 10, and you want to fucking shoot the shit? Like, just give me a second. I'm about to puke right now. You know, I have to go take a walk on the block, like, catch my breath and come back. I don't even know where I'm going on this. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just something that came up in my head when I was bringing it up. And to go back to one more movie I wanted to discuss, a movie that's coming out, the new movie Vice, directed by Adam McKay. Adam McKay was known for directing a lot of the Judd Apatow style of produced movies. I think he did Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, Eastbound and Down. So a lot of that kind of stuff. But then he went on to do some more serious work. Still kind of funny, but uh, more serious. He did The Big Short, which I think he won an Academy Award for. Yeah, he did. Best Director or something like that. Anyway. A new movie called Vice, and let's read the thing here. The story of Dick Cheney, the most powerful vice president in history, and how his policies changed the world as we know it. Let's watch the trailer. What do you say? I want you to be my VP. I want you. You're my vice. Well, George, I, uh, I'm a CEO of a large company. And I have been Secretary of Defense, and I have been White House Chief of Staff. The Vice Presidency is a mostly symbolic job. Uh-huh. However, if we came to a uh, different understanding, I can handle more mundane jobs overseeing bureaucracy, military, energy, and uh, foreign policy. Yeah, right. I like that. When you have power, people will always try to take it from you, always. Are you even more ruthless than you used to be? Christian Bale plays Dick Cheney. Goddamn. Amy Adams plays Lane. Lynn Cheney, his wife. 
Steve Carell, Donald Rumsfeld, Sam Rockwell plays George W. Bush. Hell yeah, man. This looks great. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, I'm bouncing all over the place, guys. You know, that's just how it's going to be tonight. Oh, fuck. I forgot to tell you. I'm redoing the podcast room, my podcast studio. Have a new table set up, a couple pieces of gear, got some new lights. I got a, like a, how would you describe this? A, a, a sign, a, a illuminated sign with the stateside podcast written on it. I was looking into getting a custom made neon light sign, but those are really expensive. I was, I was really surprised at how expensive those are. But I'm really loving the room and the new setup. It is a work in progress. New new music news just coming in, my friends. One of my favorite bands of all time, most influential band for me, Shiner from Kansas City, Missouri, just released a thing that they have been in the studio recently making new music. And I want to go ahead and say that we here on the Stateside Podcast broke that news a while back when we had Jason Girk and the drummer on the show, and he alluded to that, and Andrew and I just about pooped our pants when he told us. And now it has been confirmed. In a article, says Shiner have been in the studio recently. It seems a new release from Shiner is in the works with the band, with the band having recently been back at Earth Analog Studio in Tolano, Illinois, laying down some more demos. The band were previously in that studio this past February, laying down demo versions of roughly five tracks. It is unclear if they are aiming for an EP or an album to serve as the follow-up to their 2001 release, The Egg. God, it's been a while. But it appears likely that whatever it is, it will arrive sometime in 2019. They like to be very cryptic. They post something on Facebook, like half an image of like a guitar pedal board in the corner of Gherkin's drum set carpet saying, really tied the room together, and that's all they said. But uh, yeah, very excited. I know my, my buddies who like that band are, are pretty stoked about that. Can't wait for that. And speaking of those guys, I'm going to try to have a few of the dudes uh, on the show. Hopefully one day we can have the whole band on and we can do an entire Shiner interview. That would be fantastic. Moving on, my people, my beautiful, beautiful people. For those of you who care, if you are like me and you have a music management company or you work in the industry at all or you're a producer or even if you're just a band or in a band rather i think a few of these tips might help you i've been using a new crm software called pipeline deals crm is customer relations management i think is what it officially stands for and essentially it's just the database for all your your client list and all the deals that are going on and typically this website is used for more of like a, a you know, a, a typical business setting. It the framework fits just perfectly for producers setting up gigs and brokering deals. So it's really nice for for me as you know the 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 manager and the project manager for all the people I work with. I can have each individual guy in the roster and each in the, uh, they all of their their deals going on. They call them deals, which is kind of cheesy, but it's all the projects they have going on and. You know, you can plug in all the contact info of the artists, the label managers, contact info, who paid what, when they were going to pay, how they paid. It even keeps track of emails and correspondence with the client and us and will correlate with all the contact info that you've put in there. 
So it's been really nice. I'm still kind of getting used to it, but I definitely recommend it. It's not all that expensive. Uh, I pay like an annual membership. I think I only paid, it was under 400 bucks, I'd say, for, for an entire year. And so far, it's been really helpful. And it also will sync up with any app that you're using. Not any app, but most business apps or any productivity apps. You know, another thing I recommend is an app called Slack. It is a texting message app. But the cool thing about Slack is that you can set up individual topics, you know, like they call them channels. So, for example, you know, you can do like I have for each person I represent, you know, hashtag invoice requests, hashtag ongoing projects, hashtag pending projects, and then you can just direct message each other. But the the, the nice thing about that is each thread is focused and so that you can you can keyword search something so if you want to type in the name of a band or the word invoice or the word deposit or whatever you're trying to look up it'll populate and highlight that topic and it makes it really really easy to find who said what and when and how and it's also if you're in in the situation like i am where you're talking to a lot of people about a lot of different things it can get really chaotic with all the ways to communicate today you know a phone call text messaging emailing instagram messaging facebook messaging etc and if you count on trying to sort through all of those modes of communication it can get really convoluted really complicated try to track down who said what and when and you know life is chaotic enough and so it just keeps getting more chaotic with the more this sort this thing grows for me and i'm sure for you guys as well so the more we can do to automate things and to organize our life the better and pipeline I, i've been really happy with that so far and it it syncs up with slack it syncs up with like google calendar and all the basic stuff that most people use for for business businessy business things um so that's that's a tip for you Moving on to a couple of things. We'll call this a new segment. All right, we'll call this a new segment. This segment is called Two Things I Love and Two Things I Hate. Two Things I Love right now. Book on tape. Book on tape. What am I, 100? An audible book, an audio book, James, called The Operator, Firing the Shot That Killed Osama Bin Laden. It's written and read by the author Robert O'Neill who is a member of SEAL Team 6, one of the Navy SEAL teams. They're the guys that went in and and got Osama Bin Laden. It's a wildly fascinating story, and he starts from beginning to end. Like, you know, quick bio of him growing up to how he got into becoming a Navy SEAL, which was sort of an accident. I won't ruin that for you, but that was not his plan in life. And the the level of training it takes to become a Navy SEAL we all know is absolutely insane, but to hear it broken down in such a specific human way was really inspiring. And not just like in a hoorah fucking military way. Like I don't really give a shit about any of that. This this was just some a human being achieving something so high, the elite of the elite. And then to be so to be a Navy SEAL is almost impossible to make. It's like a ninety percent uh, attrition rate. Most people don't make it. And then to be assigned to SEAL Team 6, and SEAL Team 6 is like the elite of the Navy SEALs. 
They're the most uh, confidential group. They're the ones that typically do classified missions and like real fucking cool James Bond shit that, that it's the stuff we know is going on, but we never hear about. And for whatever reason, this isn't ruining any story because this was all over the news and stuff, but just by chance, he happened to be the one guy that shot Osama bin Laden in the fucking face and just happened to be by where they were in the room and, and the way that they they kind of were clearing that house or whatever. He, he happened to be the guy that was right there, right there in front of him, and he had to make a decision to save him and his buddies' lives because they didn't know what this guy had on him. They were all told that he was going to obviously go out with a bang, uh, no pun intended. They all thought he had a, a vest on him. He's going to fucking blow himself up and everyone around him. And he was hiding behind his wife like a coward. Um, and he, he's a pretty tall guy, so he was, you know, over his wife, holding, like, behind her with his hands on his shoulders, on her shoulders, rather. And so they couldn't see what what was under his vest or whatever. But anyway, the point being, it's super inspiring. Really, really good book, and it's, it's pretty funny and, and really entertaining. So I highly recommend that. And another thing I love is an artist that Ryan Lewis told me about and brought to my attention. Her name is Luton. That's the artist's name. L-U-W-T-E-N. And I believe she's from Denmark. Is that right? No, not Denmark. She's from Amsterdam. That's right. She's from Holland. She's really cool. And typically, like... I wouldn't even say it's like my favorite genre of music, but I, I really enjoy what she's doing. Uh, I think it's really clever. And the whole record is really phenomenal. It's all on Spotify. And I'm sure it's on other things too, but that's that's where I found it. And she has some really cool live videos, like live in-studio performances on YouTube that you can check out. Again, it's L-U-W-T-E-N. All right, let's listen to one of her songs. We don't have to listen to the whole thing, but here's a bit of... Luton, her song called Go Honey. just kind of progresses as it goes like that and there's some really kind of intense melodic moments that give you chills go check her out and now two things i hate i just realized that i should have started with two things i hate and then end with two things i love so we end this segment on a positive note but uh, you know I'll, I'll figure it out next time two things i hate the movie crazy rich asians fuck that movie fuck that movie all day long. It has a 94 
fucking percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Somehow, the whole country loves it. Uh, people are going crazy about this movie. I don't get it. Yeah, it was the most contrived, bizarre, like... <laughs> Look, I understand what movies try to be over-the-top, feel-goody, like that movie Love Actually, or, you know, fucking Jerry Maguire, or whatever. Like, I... I'm on board. I, I like those kind of movies. And this movie tried to do that, but it was just, it was insane. It was pure insanity. I don't even know what I just watched. That's my take on that movie. Uh, that's something I hate. On to the second thing that I hate is the way that Donald Trump, our president, speaks. We all know how he speaks. It's super weird, super bizarre, super goofy. Uh, he gave a speech the other day at the United Nations, and he was laughed at, and here is the thing that he said, and it's ridiculous. Today I stand before the United Nations General Assembly to share the extraordinary progress we've made. In less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. America's so true. So true. <laughs> Didn't expect that reaction, but that's okay. He is a very bizarre person. I mean, he'll say things like, we have accomplished more than any admin in history, in any administration. Uh, they like... Uh, uh, you know, the lowest tax rates of all time. It's not true. It doesn't take that long to look it up. It's just not true. But he says it over and over and over and over and over again, and everyone, they all love it. They just love him. Fuck, man. Here, uh, Vice News has been putting together a bunch of compilations of all the, the goofy shit that he says. Here's one. It's titled, Donald Trump says billions and billions and billions. Here you go. Billions and 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 billions billion billion not billion it's billion here's another one watch Donald Trump say baby I'll use the word baby 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 Baby, 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 baby. We're dealing with babies, okay? We're gonna take care of those babies. Have you ever kidnapped a baby? Don't worry about that baby. I love babies. I gently tell a woman that I love her baby. I love babies. Love babies. Love babies. Believe me, I love babies. I love babies. I hear that baby. Love her. He says, believe me. Let the baby cry. I love to hear babies cry a little bit. It's fine. It's good. What a baby. What a beautiful baby. Look at that beautiful baby. Beautiful baby. Beautiful baby. Beautiful baby. Beautiful baby. Little beautiful baby. Disgusting little weak, pathetic baby. Very, very stupid baby. That was a Here's another one where Trump... 20 things Trump misses about the old days. 
It's political bullshit. Seven public speaking tips we can learn from Politics Donald Trump. Aside, Donald Trump's ability to hold the attention of an audience and indeed a nation is undeniable. True. It's true. It's a quality that anyone who has done public speaking, be it to a stadium or a boardroom, would be envious of. Thank you. Thank you. We talked to experts to learn seven of the rhetorical tactics Trump uses that make it so hard to take your eyes and ears off of him. The usual so-called experts. If you notice, that's my notes for the speech. We got to go free for it. The single Make most speeches important thing off about the Donald cuff. Trump, uh, from which a lot of other things follow, is most of the time he speaks spontaneously. I like it better without the teleprompter. I don't want a teleprompter. I don't want like it like he is. Maybe when you run for president, you shouldn't be allowed to use a teleprompter because you find out what you're getting. Even when someone has prepared a speech for him, he very often breaks into spontaneous digressions. So his speeches are very much like the ordinary discourse that the rest of us engage in all the time. I refuse to say it was a scam tonight, all right? This way they can't report that I said it. Harlot Keys is a way of saying the thing that you say you're not going to say. So uh, colloquially, it's I'm not saying, I'm just saying. I will not say he's low energy. I will not say it. I won't tell you what he did because he actually grabbed one by the shirt, but I won't say that. I won't say that they all said he's our favorite, but they did. He's our favorite. It allows him to say the thing while he's denying that he would say it so that he can't be held accountable. It also creates this intimacy, you know, the crowd and Trump are connected because he's told you what he really thinks. America first. Remember that. America first. America first. America first. He hardly ever uses filled pauses. There's almost no ums and uhs, and the lack of filled pauses does project a sense of confidence. On the other hand, he repeats himself a lot. Make America great again. We're going to make America great again. Look at this tremendous sea of love. I call it a sea of love. I call it extreme vetting. I call it extreme, extreme vetting. These two things are related. He's able to stall for time without having a lot of dead air. There's lots of repetitions, which is almost liturgical. So. You know, it works. They like it live. Uh, some night I'd like to have it not so live so we could really talk. Uh, he absolutely takes advantage of ambiguity. It allows everybody in the audience to fill in the blanks for him. How do you make them pay for the wall, as you said? So easy. Will a politician be able to do it? Absolutely not. We know what we have to do, and we'll do it. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about me and I'm going to do the right thing, whatever it is. Trump allows you to fill in the blanks through that ambiguity. You help him to persuade you that he agrees with you, that he's already got the right answer, um, which is the answer that you know to be the right answer. You know, you're not allowed to use hairspray anymore because it affects the ozone. You know that, right? Hairspray's not like it used to be. It used to be real good. When he talks about politics, you get the impression that it's a well-rehearsed uh, piece. People are fed up. They're fed up with incompetence. They're fed up with stupid leaders. They're fed up with stupid people. Our airports are like third world countries. Our schools are a disaster. Our roads are collapsing all over the country. We are a mess. By the way, I don't like this mic. No, this mic is terrible. 
everybody likes to complain. Donald Trump complains about lots and lots of things, and some of the things he complains about are going to strike a chord with almost everybody. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag? To say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! Historical theory would say that the way that you create identification with people is through pointing to an enemy and polarizing people. I think Islam hates us. Countless Americans are killed by illegal immigrants because our government won't do its job. We can't continue to allow China to rape our country, and that's what they're doing. He needs to create someone that we're against in order to motivate those people to act, right, which is to support him. I always hear about the elite, you know, the elite, they're elite. I think, you know what, I think we're the elites, they're not the elites. He's always talking about his beautiful people, his followers who are never going to desert him. Those are appeals to the crowd. The wisdom of the crowd knows more than these elite, corrupt, um, establishment politicians or the media. There's an unbelievable love in these rooms. All the same. I love you too. I love you. Stand up. Who's next? He often does engage the audience as though they were in conversation with him. What do you like better? Made in the USA or made in America? Which is better? Person of the year or man of the year? Okay, wait. Let's do a pledge. Everybody here, who likes me in this room? Ad Populum Appeals are something Luke Healy does to make himself um, be popular, seem popular, um, but also to reaffirm the loyalty of his followers. Do you make the same commitment that you will absolutely accept the results of this election? I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. How is it that Trump has been able to keep us all on edge, keep us all interested? Um, and my best answer for that is that he is the modern-day uh, P.T. Barnum. We need P.T. Barnum a little bit because we have to build up the image of our country. If you know anything about P.T. Barnum, he was a master at attracting attention. And he did that by uh, making audiences curious. Think about how many times he's, he's given us a cliffhanger. What's he going to do next? What storm, Mr. President? Something's going to happen. We'll find out. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. We can't turn away because he has got us so curious to find out what happens next. We don't even need a lie detector if you have someone who's openly lying. Right. right? Who, who just gets caught in lies again and again. You can see it, too. You feel and, it, right? But, but people don't seem to care, right, in, 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 at least in, in a political process. And I'm thinking, in this case of Trump, where you have someone who is, is Sam in, Harris in some cases on the Rogan podcast or talking just about changing Trump. his mind in such an incoherent way that um, it's the functional equivalent of lying. I mean, it's, it's someone who becomes totally unpredictable. He has a stance that is A on Tuesday and is B on Wednesday. And when the discrepancy is pointed out, he tells you to go fuck yourself, right? So it's just, there's just no, uh, there is no uh, accountability to his, his own states of consciousness that, right. that he's going to be held to. And the people who love him don't seem to care. They actually, in, as far as I can tell, I don't know ma so many of these people personally, but uh, from based on you know social media and seeing uh, the few articles where someone has explained why they love Trump, um, 
people view this as a kind of this sort of this dishonesty what is on I- in my view both dishonesty and a kind of a kind of theatrical hucksterism a, a person who's who's pretending to be many things that he probably isn't they see it as a a new kind of authenticity right like <laughs> this guy He's just letting it rip. He doesn't <laughs> care what uh, what is true. He doesn't care what your expectations for c- coherence are. He's just going to tell you to fuck yourself every which way. <laughs> and this is the new way of being honest, right? Um, this is the new form of inte- integrity. <sighs> it's amazing to watch. All right. We get the idea. Trump's a goofball. Trump is a goofball. Okay, since I started this with two things I love and ended it with two things I hate, I will bookend this with one more thing I love to end this segment with a positive note. I am completely obsessed with Chris D'Elia, his stand-up comedy, and specifically his podcast. I think his podcast is so goddamn funny in such a very specific way. It always puts me in a good mood. It's always silly, loosey-goose time, uh, and I, I love it. And there is an Instagram account called Congratulations Pod Clips. The name of his podcast, by the way, is Congratulations. And this Instagram account is dedicated to putting together funny fucking rants and shit that he says on his podcast. And I highly recommend it. If you want to lighten your day and watch some super loosey-goosey shit, check it out. It's called Congratulations underscore Pod Clips on Instagram. Here's a Here's a little example of some stupid shit he says. When people come up to me, hey, man, what's up? What's up? Hey, you don't remember my name, huh? I look at them and I say, nope. Be memorable. If I don't remember your name, it's your fault. What's my name? You don't remember, huh? I step closer to you. You understand? I step Step closer to you. And you know when the handshake is supposed to end? It doesn't end there. I grip. You can't get away. Hey, what's up? What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, good. Hey, Chris. You don't remember my name, huh? Oh, wait, what are you doing with my hand? I'm holding it. And I'm stepping in. And I'm saying, no. Fucking for an hour, dude? That's not cool, dude. That's not <laughs> cool. Dude, we were roasting, and we were like, you fucking dork. Oh, it was so funny. Oh, 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 I forgot about this. He was like, dude, we did five, six different positions. Dude, you know how many positions you do when you do the horizontal mambo? Three. That's it. You do three positions. You go on top, she goes on top, and you smash it from behind. (laughs) Oh, good stuff. Man, this has been the fucking most random mashup, mashed potato mashup episode of all time. And I like it. I'm digging it. I'm having a good time. I feel like a weird DJ of my brain right now. That's the new segment called Two Things I Hate and Two Things I Love. 
Yeah. Okay. I think we can wrap this one up. This has been fun. Thank you for sitting and li- listening to me ramble. Got some guests booked for the rest of the month. Um, trying to pick up the speed again with guests and getting some engaging conversations with people in this in the industry, outside the industry, and uh, have some, as Crystalia would say, some loosey goosey times. Kick back and get back to just goofing around and having some fun. You know what this is all about. This isn't necessarily a music industry podcast, as you can tell. It's not really anything. We're just talking, having a conversation with you, and we love to hear from you. If there's anything you, you want us to talk about, or if you're in a band, or you have a small business, and you want to uh, have us give a shout-out for that thing that you're doing, let us know, and we will do that. And uh, please feel free to write in, message me on Instagram, or shoot an email over, and let's let's chat. If you are in a band or you are an artist yourself and you're looking to record or have your record produced, mixed, mastered, you know the drill. Hit us up. We have qualified individuals to do that for you. Yeah, you know, if, if people don't know what Stateside is, we are a producer management company. And what does a producer manager do? Well, we broker the deal between the artist and the producer. So we try to take all the administrative stuff off the table and we handle the invoicing, anything to do with money and administrative stuff, and really just act as a project manager for that situation and allow for the producer or mix engineer to just be a fellow artist alongside with the band and uh, allow music and creativity to flourish in the best setting possible. Our goal is to grow the roster of producers we work with and you know mold their careers and make sure that they have every opportunity they can and every door open possible for them so they can flourish and continue to work with great artists but on the flip side we really love putting out great records and we want to support the people we work with any artist that comes and works with anyone off stateside you know we consider you family we'll do as much as we can for you you know push to the record promote you and we'll get behind you because it behooves us to do that. I mean, that's that's the good that's the benefit of working with a team. You know, I think today, especially there, you can do it alone. You don't need a team. Technically, you can go and do everything yourself. Like, cool. You know, good luck doing that. I I don't recommend doing it. I think the more you can get involved with the community, you know, this this thing doesn't change. It's the same as it's been forever. It's a community of great artists and bands doing cool shit together and creating a scene and that scene is what's gonna take people far and we want to just help out as much as we can with your scene give a shout out to our new guy joseph chuddick shout out to ryan lewis neil angle adam pike travis ball these are all the the folks that work on the team with us over at stateside they are the best and we love you guys so very much all right thank you so much for listening and um to my family that's listening again this show is dedicated to james douglas lynn our beautiful grandfather and the father of my my beautiful mother we love you so much papa and we'll see you on the other side man goodbye of all the money that i had i spent it in good company Bands of the harm I've ever done Alas, it was to none but me
Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!